Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And this episode of Equipping You in Grace is sponsored by the Good Book Company, publishers of the book your pastor wishes you read, a book by Christopher Ash on caring for your pastor and the difference it makes. More information uh, on the Good Book can be found at thegoodbook.com. Well, Christopher, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. It's great to chat with you, brother. Thank you for having me back. Definitely. I, I enjoy chatting with you. Uh, can you uh, please catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise these days? Oh, that's very kind. We have six grandchildren, so that's our ministry project, hmm. but a joyful one. And I'm preaching at our home church in Cambridge in the UK and away. I had a very good visit to Dubai recently, speaking there, and God willing, we're coming back to North America in the fall. I'm working on books on the Psalms, um, a, a big book project with Crossway, and a book on anger. Uh, and I've written an Advent devotional for the Good Book Company for this coming December. Um, and so there are various projects and some shorter writing things for the Gospel Coalition. And I'm thankful for all the opportunities. Well, that's wonderful. Um... I'm looking forward to reading the book on anger, and I know you've been working on the Psalms for quite a while, and look forward to reading more on that. So, Can you uh, please tell us about your book that's coming out, the book your pastor wishes you would read, but are too embarrassed to ask why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? It's, I think, an unusual book. It's a book for church members to help us to know why we should look after our pastors and how best to do that. I've written it because because it seems to me to be an important subject, but a neglected subject. I've seen um, where things go really well between pastors and a church and things where, where things go badly. I'm no longer a pastor, so it's not awkward for me to write that. Uh, and my own experience was, was good. Um, I, I don't really know how it's going to be received. It's due for publication very soon. Some uh, church leaders have given some kind commendations, and I'm hoping and praying it'll be it'll be useful yeah i had to i had to laugh because what you just said there is something that you say in one of the very first chapters um you you know you're not a pastor anymore so you can basically write on this subject and i i had to laugh when i read that i was like yeah i I imagine a pastor writing a book on how their pastor wishes you would read uh what or the book your pastor wishes you would read on on treating your pastor and the relationship would be pretty awkward but but yeah, I would. And I had to, I had to chuckle. Come on, guys, raise your game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That would not probably be received too well, but. It uh... wouldn't. No, but uh, you. It was a. It was a very thoughtful book, and it, you're right. It, it really did need to be be written. So thank you for writing out of your experience. Why is it so important that church members care for their pastor? That's a really good question. Uh, a friend said to me, "What an odd thing to write a book about. Surely our pastors should be looking after us." And of course, that's true. My springboard 
is that puzzling verse at the end of Hebrews, uh, middle of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, where we're told to make our leaders work a joy rather than a burden. Because if we make it a burden, it won't be of any benefit to us. Uh, uh, clearly, it wouldn't be a benefit to them, but it wouldn't be good for us. And I think the reason is they won't pastor us so well. Uh, if we make their work a joy, we will get pastored better. And uh, so that's my kind of springboard for the book. That's the kind of starting logic. It's going to be good for us to care for our pastors. Well, we have so many pastors that feel so... Most of my friends, the closest friends are pastors. They're they're lonely. Uh, you know, they're they're under attack all the time. They need a friend. They need somebody to listen to, like we all do, um, yes. and and pray with them, encourage them. You know, it's um, it's a tough, it's a really tough job that they have calling. So, how important is it that our that we see our pastor not as a superhero, fix it everything, do everything in the church person, but but just a regular, ordinary person like ourselves in daily need of the grace of God and to grow in Christ alone? It's really important if we treat our pastors as anything other than Christian believers, sinners in need of a savior as we are. If we put them on the pedestal, we put our trust in princes, as Psalm 146 puts it, it's really dangerous for them. It may make them pride, proud. Uh, it, it means we all forget that they're just as vulnerable to sin as all the rest of us are. Uh, they need looking after, they need reminding of the gospel, they need encouragement to keep trusting Jesus. And if we put them on a pedestal like that, we can also overburden them with unrealistic pressures. And uh, you, you said just now, Dave, that it's a lonely work, and it is, it can be a lonely work, uh, but we can make it even more lonely when we treat them as something other than sinners in need of a saviour. So I think it's really important. I've written a little chapter in the book in which I've tried to help us to, to think about the kind of person our pastor might be, what their background is, what makes them tick. So I'm hoping that will help. You know, one of the things I know that pastors wish people would do is uh, just go up to them and say, get to know them. <laughs> yes. You know, not, yes. not, I know your pastor might go up to you and get to know you, but, but they would love that, you know, just, yes. just treat them as a normal person, you know, yeah. a, another brother in Christ, mm-hmm. somebody to pray with and encourage and, you know, they need it. You need it. Um, as, as you just said so well, just a minute ago, you know, it's, uh, it's to help them you know, uh, to serve with joy and not to, yes. for it to be such yes. a burden and a, and a hardship. I, I think if we did this, and I, and I think one of the reasons you wrote the book is it's because so many pastors are just leaving the ministry every year. And uh, that's that's pretty sad. You know, the, here's guys that are committed, sold out. They want to give their life to serve and equip people and, and to love them. And they feel lonely and depressed and discouraged. And just the just the job itself is is can be discouraging. And um, those types of things and as you know and and then when it goes well it can be such a joy Uh, it's always tough but it can be such a joy and then you see people persevering year after year decade after decade and that's a wonderful thing to watch yes it really is what are what are the five keys we should reasonably hope for when it comes to our pastor or pastors caring for us that's a really good question I, i the things i can think of from the bible is we we hope they'll preach the word of god to us hebrews 13 suggests that we hope they'll pray for us. Hmm. Acts 6, the ministry of the word and prayer. We hope they'll pray for us. We hope they'll keep watch over our souls. Uh, Hebrews 13 again. We hope they'll equip us for ministry. Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope they'll lead the church well. 
uh, 1 Timothy 5. There may well be other things, but those seem to me to be probably the most important things we, we hope our pastors will do for us. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. I know, I know one thing that uh, the pastors that have meant the most to me. You know, they just love me. You know, they yes. and they and they listen well. Um, that yes. just really means well. And sometimes that that means they don't say anything at all. They're just will sit there and listen, and then and then uh, pray, or you know, sometimes they need to say something, and that's fine. But just listen, pray. You know, maybe even give me a hug or something like that. Um, and it shows in public ministry, doesn't it? It shows in their preaching that they care and they listen and they pray. Uh, that there's, there's no substitute, is there, for being pastored by uh, a man who loves and prays for me. It's better than listening to a download from a super famous preacher on the internet because the super famous preacher doesn't know me. Mm. So there's something, there's something very special about being pastored by uh, a man who knows and loves and cares um, for us. Yeah, you just touched on something that I think is just so important. You know, you're more likely to listen, to really listen to that person that that pastor that you know that really cares for you um has been in your corner and and listened to your struggles gone to the hospital i mean not that you're not going to listen to the john pipers the tim kellers and so on and so forth and profit yeah we we thank god for them but they don't know us unless we happen to be in their church yeah that's that's really good well i think i think the next question is is really uh, a neglected one as well um you know somebody is is listening to our conversation as as they will um they're a man and they they wonder how do i befriend uh their their pastor um in your experience as both a pastor and a church member how would you want someone to befriend you when you were in pastoral ministry that is such a, a helpful question dave i think being natural and showing interest in normal life things i remember when i was pastoring a local church people who were interested in my family or in sport or music or holidays just talking about normal things and uh, it, sometimes the, 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 there were people who would only ever want to talk to me about bible stuff and i know this sounds a bit bad to say that's bad because of course bible stuff is wonderful but if that's the only thing they ever talked to me about i kind of wanted to say look treat me as a treat me as a normal human being talk with me about the things that interest you and the things that interest me and and i guess another thing is is i loved it when people were concerned but weren't you know wanting to pry mm. so, so so it wasn't that they were sort of wanting me to tell them absolutely everything going on in my life or marriage or family or anything else but they were they were concerned in a natural healthy way much as if i'd you know just been another church member that was a lovely thing but being able to have normal conversations with people is 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 great my, my heart would sink when someone would come up to me and always it would be some bible question and it's it sounds bad to say that but you know if that was the only thing they ever talked about i would think you know can't you talk to me about um football or whatever it is i think a lot of church members don't they don't know that their their pastor is interested in talking about other things other than theology and so i think that that's where yes. that comes from and and you know that so um mm-hmm. just putting that out there and but i i do think that there's uh some church members are afraid to go talk to their pastor because they're afraid of being called into the to the pastor's office and and uh, getting called out and or, or getting called out at all frankly yes and i think that i think uh um some of that is um in my experience being a christian for 30 years is 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 valid and some of a lot of it isn't and you know i've had to work through that i can be honest with you as well and i've had to work through that you know 
Um, I think just a pastor being approachable, saying if you need to come, want to come talk or anything like that can go a long way to to reassuring them, you know, I'm, I'm like you, how they talk in their sermon, how, how they engage with other people. People people notice that kind of thing. I mean, a con- yes. I guess what I'm trying to argue for is a is a kind and encouraging pastor uh, will be one that is, is more likely to have people come up to them and, and have them share and and uh, they're less afraid of, you know, having the, the wrath of the pastor, if you will, come down yes. on them. And, and uh, so I think there's an interesting cultural difference on this side of the Atlantic in the UK. We in our in our public ministry, we tend to be very reserved and not tell people much about ourselves and um, so, so we can often be rather unapproachable. I think on your side of the Atlantic, um, people are much more likely to tell, pastors much more likely to tell you in their public ministry more about themselves, maybe even sometimes too much. Oh, I, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Um, our cultural differences um, and how we, how, we, how we minister, how we interact with one another. Uh, it's just yes. really, really interesting. Oh, a uh, similar question. How, how would you want people to um, treat your, your, your wife when you are in pastoral ministry? How would you want them to approach you and, and to befriend them? I think the same principles apply, really, that, that if some of the sisters in the church get to know my wife and, and uh, talk to her about normal things, that she's interested in what they're interested in and they'll, they'll be interested in what she's interested in and how her week has gone, just as she'll be interested in how their week has gone. Uh, I think the, the same principles a- apply uh, and it's a lovely thing. I, I Certainly the churches I've served and the ministries I'm involved with, it's been a wonderful thing to see my wife building some lovely, lovely friendships, um, especially with, with, with other women in, in the church. And that's been a great strength for her. I think she's been an encouragement to them as well. Mm, wonderful. How important is it that we as Christians are daily repenting of our sin and turning afresh to the Lord Jesus for the grace of God? Well, I guess the short answer is very important. <laughs> I've tried in the book to suggest uh, some virtues for church members, some some things we should seek by grace to encourage. And I put this down as the first one, that if we are repenting daily of our sins, turning from sin, trusting afresh in Jesus, that will put a spring in our pastor's step. It's the shape of the Christian life. And uh, I love those two times in 2 John and 3 John, where John talks about seeing people walking in the truth and saying it, that, that there's no greater joy. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see brothers and sisters walking in the truth, repenting and, and believing. So it's really important for us anyway, but it's perhaps the very best thing we can do for our pastors uh, to repent and believe and repent and believe day by day. Something that something that I like to do um, at night before I go to bed is, is um, and I got this, I think, from John Calvin. I, I don't remember exactly. I think it was him. He would think about the things that he uh, he learned that day. But but I kind of taken that a little bit further. And I like to think about where did I, you know, I want to have a time of confession of my sin before I sleep. And um, it's just really it helps me to sleep better. Um, I do it in the morning as well. But uh, that's such a healthy thing. Yeah, such a healthy thing. I wish more. I wish I want to I, I bring that up because I just want to encourage other Christians to do that. You know, it'll it'll help your relationship with it will help your relationship with God to grow. But it also, you know, help your relationship 
relationship with other people. You won't feel as frustrated and with people in general. Um, yeah, and we'll be yeah, and we'll be more and more grateful for the Lord Jesus and the gospel. Amen. How important is it that Christians be in community with one another for their spiritual growth and also for the spiritual growth of others in our local churches? Yes, I've suggested that the second virtue I've suggested is being a really zealous member of a church. And I guess theologically the reason is, particularly from Ephesians, that God's plan is not just saved individuals, but a saved church, the bride of Christ, and therefore belonging to a church is not an optional extra. We need to belong to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and to stir one another up, as Hebrews 10 tells us, to love and good works. Really important, all the sort of one anotherness things in the epistles um, uh, uh, of stirring one another up and loving one another and forgiving one another and forbearing one another and, and, and so on. Really, really important. And I guess it's true that as a pastor of a local church, you you see people one anothering in the church. You see them loving one another, forgiving one another, stirring one another up and so on. And your heart lifts. You think this is wonderful because you see a, a sort of microcosm of what God is doing through the church of Christ in all the world. So to be a really keen member of a church, I, I, I wonder if in our culture, the you know, the sort of consumer culture where I, I shop around and I find a church that meets my needs and it's so damaging to real church belonging and then you see others and you'll know they'll be there at the prayer meeting you know that they're praying for the church you know they're thinking we rather than just I and it's a wonderful thing oh yeah absolutely yeah we we need one another you know we uh, we really do um, if we're repenting of our sin I think that'll help us as you as you talk about in the book it'll help us to to see our need for one another we'll, we'll acknowledge that I think more right I know that's been true in my own life, and when I'm when I'm doing that, we're daily repenting of my sin and doing as I said. I'm I'm much more likely to to realize, hey, I I, I need to meet with this person locally. Um, I need local accountability, not just other people as well, other friends. I, I need the local accountability. I, I need the local church. Um, when I'm not, then no, I don't. <laughs> but yes. uh, but I but I need it for my own soul. I need it for my own growth. I need it for I need it for my life i need it for my marriage i I need it so yes 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 we've a friend of ours has just moved to another part of the country because of her job and my wife and i were were praying with her and encouraging her we're we're praying that she find and join and belong to another bible teaching gospel believing church because it's so important yeah what does open and honest communication look like with our pastor Yes, I was really struck when I was working on the book by this virtue of openness that it did Paul in 2 Corinthians, writing to that church with whom he had a pretty turbulent relationship. And he, 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 he says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, we've spoken freely, we've opened wide our heart, and he pleads with them to open their hearts to him. So I was thinking this, this whole open honesty thing is really big. It, it, it occurs to me that there are at least two ways this this could work out. One is we need to be open with our pastors about ourselves, our own struggles with sin, uh, or if things are difficult in a marriage or, or family or at work. Uh, so, so there's an appropriate openness when a pastor asks how things are going. We don't just say, oh, fine, um, unless they really are fine. Um, but, but that appropriate openness, actually, we're really struggling with this, or my wife and I are really struggling with this or 
we're having a really difficult time with our parents or um, my uh, my boss at work I'm finding the relationship difficult whatever it is that sort of openness with a pastor is a, is, a, is an opening wide of the heart I guess the other is when there are things in church life that we're not happy with we, we, we're, we're tempted to grumble about a pastor because it does happen and of course pastors sometimes give us things to grumble about <laughs> but the the open honesty of, of 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 talking to the pastor about it you know so that when when i when when i grumble about the pastor to somebody else um i want for somebody else to say to me when well, have you talked to the pastor about this and if the answer is no um i'm rebuked and i think no i i need to i need to say this openly to the pastor uh, before i talk about about this with anyone else and of course i don't want to do that it's much easier to grumble and gossip. It sure is. I have a practical example, a story of that. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I I um, was meeting with this pastor. I was involved with campus ministry in northern uh, the northern part of Washington State in the United States. And uh, this pastor would ask me, how are you? And it would probably take, I would talk about school or whatever. And then 40 minutes into the meeting, um, an hour meeting, uh, I would start talking about how I am. And he... I and I remember him saying, and it struck me, he said, you know, I wish you would start out this way, start our meeting so that we could talk about more about these things instead of, you know, waiting, you know, till the end. And then, you know, then we, not that he was saying, you know, goes over his time and, you know, he was pretty busy and those kind of things. And, but uh, it struck me in, as I've gotten older, um, I've remembered that. So now when I when a pastor asks me how are you um I just say uh I'm not well or blah 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 I have this thing going on and and that seems to seems to do much better than uh talking about x number of thing or x number of thing that I'm doing not that they're not interested but they're asking me you know how I am doing not about my work and so yes and it, we, we we have the same thing in the doctor's surgery you know the doctor says how are you and you say well I've got a little itch in my skin or something and then just as you're leaving the surgery, you're leaving the consultation, you say, oh, and there's this lump I'm worried about. And the doctor will, will, will be thinking, I wish you'd raise that at the beginning because that's the big thing. Mm, wow. How do, how do church members watch over their pastors and encourage them to make progress in their life and doctrine? I, I, Timothy is told, isn't he, in 1 Timothy 4, to watch his own life and doctrine closely. And I suppose I was thinking from that that we can encourage our pastors to watch their life and doctrine closely by um, encouraging them in, in things like, what are they reading? Are they reading things that are stretching them, growing them in their understanding and their, their faith? Uh, sometimes are we encouraging them to go on appropriate conferences, maybe giving them study leave if that's appropriate, uh, expecting them to grow, watching when a pastor gets stale and thinking, you know, how can we help our pastor to be growing in grace? and godliness and also was pastor's wives my um, my wife is for the last few years she's been heading up a team that leads uh, conferences for pastor's wives she's just handed it over to others but it's been such a valuable ministry encouraging the pastor's wife to to go on these conferences to be encouraged to be a better pastor's wife so i think that sort of watchfulness encouraging pastors in their own growth in grace and godliness expecting our pastors to be different in five years time mm. to be more mature in christ to 
to to to to to be deeper in their understanding um those kinds of things i think that's really good really good what does it look like for a local church to express kindness to their pastor it's so hard to answer that without examples isn't it i was struck at the end of the acts of the apostles where paul comes as a prisoner to rome and that a group of believers walk out of the city on the appian way to meet him they didn't have to do that and it was just a kind gesture and uh, luke says that paul was encouraged and touched by it and i think of all sorts of examples i think of a, a retired pastor um, painting, giving a fresh coat of paint to the house where we um, were moving in when I was a, a young assistant pastor. Just simple, practical kindness. I think of a friend of mine who's, he's a, he's a pastor and his parents, both his parents were killed in a, in a car accident uh, one day and it was a deeply traumatic and, and sad and hard time for him. And his testimony to me was that the church he served was overwhelmingly kind considerate and thoughtful in all sorts of, of ways. And I think sometimes we can get into a sort of business mentality where the pastor is sort of under contract and we're, we're just sort of re reviewing how well the pastor is doing his contractual obligations and forgetting that the pastor's a human being and that just as we love it when people are kind to us. So it means a lot when we are kind to them. I give in the book one lovely example of how uh, somebody was very, very kind to me and, and my wife at a difficult stage of, of ministry. And uh, it's a beautiful virtue kindness. Yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, just, just some pastor friends and just maybe even taking time each year, you know, of service to maybe have a, a get together after, if you have one service, maybe uh, after that service or two services to express thanks um, to them, you know, maybe have a meal or something like that. And People can express appreciation to the pastor and his wife and give thanks. I think that would be something that would be um, appropriate and additional to what you said about just showing thankfulness. You know, we have here, and I don't know, do you guys have the Pastors Appreciation Month in the UK? We don't. I know that you do, and it's 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 a, it's it's a good thing. No, we, we no, we don't have that as yet. Although most good things that you guys think of reach us eventually. <laughs> And likewise, and likewise. How how important is that we have high expectations of our pastors, not putting them on a pedestal as we've talked about, but holding them to the biblical qualifications the office in Scripture requires? Yes, I, I was very struck when doing the Bible work on this, how the logic in 1 Timothy 3, that it's a noble task. It's a, it's a really noble task in the sight of God. And therefore, the men who do this need to fulfill high standards of godliness. That's the logic, I think. And paradoxically, if we encourage our pastors, uh, we, we hold them to high standards of godliness, then they are more likely to be the godly men whom they want to be. They want to be godly, and it helps them to be godly if we expect them to be godly. So I think it's really good if, if a pastor has a problem with anger and there are outbursts of anger, uh, if we hold them to high standards and, and somebody, you know, perhaps some of the other elders or somebody... Um, you know, says a word to them by way of, of, of appropriate um, rebuke for that, or or bullying. Uh, some some of us are, are prone to manipulating people and bullying, or of course, you know, all the all the usual things of faithfulness in 
marriage and high standards in the, the handling of, of money. I remember shocking the church that I was pastoring once. I, I said to them in a sermon, I said, um, if I um, am unfaithful to my wife and I have an affair, I hope you will love me enough to put me out of ministry and out of fellowship and to pray that I will repent. And they looked rather shocked because in England, where I live, we don't usually say those things and it hadn't crossed their mind. Um, but actually, I meant it. And it, it was a great help to me that I knew that they, they loved me, they wanted me to, to live up to high standards mm. and uh, and they would hold me to those standards. So it's a, it's a great help to do that. And sometimes people think that you, you know, you love your pastor by being understanding of all their faults. Uh, but that can be overplayed. Uh, we, we, we want to be held to high standards. Uh, we, we want to know that the pastoral office is a noble task. I, I could not say that any better. Thank you. That was really well said. What does submission to the pastor's leadership look like in practice? I struggled to know how to write this virtue up. We're told to submit to our pastors. It's it's one of the neglected submissions uh, given to believers in the New Testament. We, we were to submit to the uh, governing authorities, Christian wives, and to show appropriate Christ-like submission to husbands, children to parents, um, and, and workplace patterns. But the submission to pastors is, it may be overplayed in some church cultures, but in many church cultures that I know, it's pretty much neglected. And I, 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 I've tried to use the expression of sort of zealous submission, by which I mean I, not just letting the pastor lead, not just um, allowing them to serve us by directing the affairs of the church well, but actively cooperating in their leadership, unless it's ungodly, of course. But so many leadership decisions are not uh, ones where I might have a conscious objection. Very often it's just that I wouldn't have made that particular call or I wouldn't have um, led us in that particular priority of ministry or something like that. But I need to say to myself, and it's really important for me as a former pastor who's now a church member, I need to say to myself, well, I might not have led exactly like that, but there's nothing wrong with it. And uh, I need to get behind it and encourage and, 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 and zealously uh, serve in the way that the pastor is leading the church, assuming they're leading well without bullying, assuming they're leading um, with, a, with a shared leadership and, 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 and so on. But if they are, it's a great thing to, to be zealous in cooperating. I think there are too many churches, and I guess this is true in the States as well as in the UK, where there are older members of the church who have been powerful, and a new pastor comes, and these older members really want to continue to be powerful, and they won't let the new pastor lead, and that can be very damaging. Mm, that is uh, so true. So true. How important is it that pastors have a pastoral support group, and what does that look like? That's a really constructive question. I don't think it needs to be called a pastoral support group, and I think there are lots of different ways of doing this. Uh, I think very often it'll be the pastor's fellow elders, or, or perhaps if there's a large eldership, a, 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 a subgroup of those elders, senior lay leaders, and maybe recognized by the church as the ones who have a particular responsibility to meet with and pray with and care for the pastor. I think it's something that, unless the church is very tiny, you can't have everybody doing it or the poor pastor will be overwhelmed <laughs> by everybody trying to look after them. Um, 
But everybody needs to know that there is somebody doing it and that, that, that on behalf of the whole church, there are those who are uh, doing this. And, and, and very often, I think, you know, elders who aren't, um, you know, preaching and teaching in the pastorate are, are probably best placed to, to do that. I've been hugely grateful for senior uh, lay people whom I knew uh, were, were looking out for me and I could pray with them. Um, it's a great thing. They need to be people of maturity. They need to be people of discretion so they don't gossip. Um, but there are those people in most churches, thank God. So, Christopher, there's a lot that we haven't covered about your book in, in this interview. Um, I know that we could really dive deep into a lot of these subjects, which would be great and very helpful, no doubt. But uh, as we wrap up, can you give us a few takeaways as listeners go ahead and pick up your book? Yes, sure. Uh, there is an extra chapter um, available as a free download on on the Good Book um, website, um, which is important for somebody to read because it's about salary and pension and housing and that sort of thing, so that that would be worth just um, uh, some people going to. I think my takeaways would be uh, would be th- three really. One, have a think, kind of do a mental audit of your church and ask in your church how well is the pastor prayed for, supported, encouraged, and honoured. And then secondly, uh, ask yourself what part can I play? Um, what what is it that particularly I could do better uh, that would contribute to the support and encouragement and joy of the pastor? And I suppose the third thing is I'm, I'm really hoping people will get hold of the book and encourage their fellow church members to, to read it. Uh, there's, a, there's a prayer, I think, at the end of each chapter. I'm hoping and praying that it will be um, a really useful book in encouraging church members to, 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 to think and act about these things. Well, Christopher, I think that the book is very needed, and I hope that it starts a, a significant conversation about how to care for a pastor to be his friend, uh, to help him to grow in Christ and, and his pastor's life. Uh, it's it's a neglected subject that more needs to be written on, so I, I hope that people will take up and read and also uh, continue uh, to write on this subject. So thank you. And thank you for your excellent work that you do. Thank you, Dave, very much indeed. May God bless you. Thank you, brother. I'd like to thank The Good Book for sponsoring today's episode. Don't forget to visit them at thegoodbook.com for their latest updates on books like The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Read by Christopher Ash and other great content that will help you grow in the grace of God. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope that you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.